This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven Beck. It's Pat and Stu. Although Dan is in one more time for uh, for Pat, uh, and Jeffy is also here for Jeffy. Um, yes, thank you, thank you for coming on the program. Notice you took a little abuse at the end of the radio program uh, when they were talking about taxing by weight. I thought that was <laughs> I thought it was hurtful because uh, they were insinuating that your tax rates would be high uh, because of your you being <laughs> yeah. overweight. And I thought that was hurtful. I just wanted to make sure that we clarified that on this program. Well, where thank you. Well, you'll be treated the right way. Thank you. Hurtful, but I it's also completely it. fair. Oh, yeah, completely fair and accurate. Yeah. Uh, Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven. Back. I took a couple good shots uh, during the uh, last hour of the broadcast. He's, yeah, uh, it's interesting. Uh, this is an interesting topic, <laughs> briefly, before we get to actual news today. Every once in a while, what do you say? Every two or three months, Pat has a moment in he which uh, it's off the air, yeah. and he goes to, he goes to Jeffy with with sad puppy dog eyes. And he goes, look, I mean, we were too mean. I know we have we gone too far? Have we have we gone too far? And 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 it just gets me pissed, so I just get worse. <laughs> I, I just, I, as Jeffy will tell you, I, I just tell Pat if you keep doing this. I will get more brutal in my uh, insults. I will do your job plus. I know we've gone. No, we've gone too far. I can't do it. I won't. And I won't. Jeffy, for, I won't. For, for your part in this, you, of course, are, like the easy example, you're in on this completely. I, you know, we've said this a million times. But you, uh, to, to give you the easiest example, was the day that we sent Jeffy to Chick-fil-A. Embarrassment, Embarrassment for, you, for myself. I don't even try this. We, we sent Jeffy to Chick-fil-A because if you dress as a cow, you got a free uh, meal that day. So we sent him to Chick-fil-A just dressed normally, <laughs> assuming that they would think he was a cow. A fair assumption. I mean, fair assumption, insane, right? right? Yes. And the reason I know it's a fair assumption is because it was Jeffy's idea. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I don't really recall it that way. Yeah, I didn't think you would. I wouldn't think of, so every once in a while, Pat has this moment where he goes, and he's just like, I just, I don't know. I mean, I think, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop making fun of you. I'm going to stop making fun of you. I'm going to stop calling you fat. I'm going to stop it. And you give him this look of like, 
You don't. It wouldn't matter. It doesn't matter, Pat. Does it matter? <laughs> you play the, the same card every time with him, and you can see it crushes him just a little bit inside. Yet the next show, he's doing it it's all back, over again. Yeah. He never out. does it. There's never a change. And I, as I have said, and I, I, I don't do this to hurt you. I do this to hurt Pat, which is I will up my game to fill the gap. Plus, if he does this. This is like a, in so perhaps hundreds. he feels he's doing me a favor. Right, but he's not. That's that's why my punishment comes in. It does yeah. not do you a favor because it gets worse because I will double and triple my efforts. I, that's like, what I mean. So perhaps he thinks he's doing me a favor by continuing. Yeah. Oh, which yeah, is right. toning you back. Yeah, so and I like think that's okay. It's sort of like Pat's mm -hmm. encouraging the terrorists, right? He's like bringing yeah. on terrorism by, by yes, by doing nice. nothing. So, yeah. Well, yeah. it's like the movie uh, Hostel, uh, or maybe it was Hostel Two, I believe, was this particular um, uh, documentary I was watching. And uh, basically, it's a, a bunch of guys decided, uh, hey, let's bid on the internet to buy women in, in slavery, and then we can kill them all. And it was a nice touching tale of a wonderful business startup. And it's just, you know, kind of like a, one of those tech startup documentaries. Uh, but the, uh, the, the, once you got there, once you go to the hostel and you decide you commit, you're going to pay all this money and you're going to wind up torturing and killing someone, once you're there, you have to go through with it. Because it, you, you're involved now. You can't wuss out, not kill someone and leave, because then, of course, they're going to assume you're going to go to the cops. But if you've actually killed somebody... You're not going to go to the cops. So that's what it's like with me and Pat. If he stops, I'm going to make it worse because uh, it, he has, he's in on it already. He's already down this road. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to make it much worse for him. And uh, the, the analogy in the movie was the man was eaten by a bunch of rabid ducks. Oh, boy. So let me just get this straight. So Pat, to be a good human being. Mm -hmm. Has to keep making fun of Jeff. The best thing he can do is to continue making is to continue <laughs> biting commentary on Jeffy. And I know, look, the bottom line is Jeffy loves it. That's that's what we're just, we'll just leave it there. Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the phone number. Uh, it's talking about uh, tech startups. So if you want to have a business where you're bidding on uh, people to murder, um, like in hostel. I don't understand why you'd want to kill them. What's that? I don't understand why you'd bid on people and then want to kill them. That's the only problem I have with that startup. We'll get back to your business planning in, in just a couple of minutes, but uh, you're not going to have that opportunity coming soon because uh, the government's going to screw it up with net neutrality. They came out with their big uh, announcement finally. Uh, and w the way this kind of built was people on the Internet complained about this constantly. They wanted net neutrality. All the 12-year-olds that have never looked into this issue love the net neutrality. <laughs> and so there was a lot of pressure, and obviously progressives love it as well, generally, although not exclusively. Um, and so they kept pushing this and pushing this, and they kept saying... These better be tough rules. They better not be, you know, slanted towards business. So they did eventually come out with the, what they're going to do. The FCC chairman came out yesterday, Tom Wheeler, and he confirmed what they're going to do, which is he listened. He's come out with really tough rules uh, to uh, hammer down uh, and get control of the Internet. Now, this is, this is look, it's step one. You know, they're not going to, uh, you know, it's just like Medicare was supposed to be for widows who, you know, whose husband, you know, died and they were only 70 and they lived for another 10 years. Uh, now it's everybody gets it. Every, Bill Gates gets your gets Medicare now. Right. And let's just go back a step, though, to uh, net neutrality 101, because mm -hmm. it is kind of a confusing yes. issue. But basically what their, their argument is that inter these big Internet providers are sort of 
you know, holding you hostage for the speeds they want to give you. They're giving some people slower speeds and other people faster speeds. And then they're complaining kind saying of, yeah. everybody should get the same sorts of speeds and access, right? Yeah. Is that the gist of it? As if you watch this show regularly, you know that Pat and I are essentially obsessed with this topic, so it's good that we go back <laughs> up because we've, we've hammered this. And, I, and I'm so, I'm, I get so pissed about it that uh, <laughs> you don't necessarily start at the beginning, and you're right. Like, so their big complaint, to boil it down to something you can understand, essentially, if you don't, if you haven't walked through this debate, their one big example is Comcast essentially went to Netflix and said, hey, Netflix, you're using 33, you, Netflix is responsible for 33% of the data on the internet right now because they're streaming unbelievable yeah. quality high definition video so it's a lot of data and and comcast said look we're gonna have to upgrade our systems we don't want to pay for that we don't want to pass that along to our consumers so we look bad by raising our rates we want you to do it so netflix pay us a bunch of money so we can do all this stuff and then we'll restore your speeds because they had started to slow them down intentionally so you'd go to netflix and in this you know you'd buffer a little bit and people don't like buffering it's it's really annoying does it actually prove though that they intentionally slow down these speeds is this like something that both sides are admitting yeah and and they um there's a, a, a good chart that kind of shows the speeds did drop uh by about 20 percent um i'd say it's about 20 percent drop in speed now look let's just again this is the one time that they point to this is it so yeah. right. this entire gigantic interference with the internet is is based on this one incident right. and in theory more could happen right. Right. an inconvenience to people who subscribe to netflix you get so netflix, they got right. a percentage of an inconvenience yeah. so you want to watch breaking bad and it runs a little slower. 20% slower so than you normally watch. jump in there, government, and take over the whole right. thing. <laughs> uh, but, you know, their idea is, well, uh, in the future, a big company could theorize, like, there are examples, they are crazy examples that aren't necessarily true. Um, well, if Comcast comes up with its own search engine and doesn't want people to use Google anymore, they want to use their search engine, they could slow access to Google. Now... The second you start slowing access to a site that people really want, like You're Google, for example, switch. people are going to leave yeah. like crazy. And, and the argument will be brought up, as it always is, well, I can't switch. I'm in a place where there's only one provider. Well, first of all, uh, maybe you should back up a couple steps and realize why you're in the position where there's only one provider, <laughs> largely because of government interference anyway. But beyond that, we're getting to the point now where you can go on your wireless connection and stream Netflix at good quality. Yeah. Uh, so we're, it's, it's like they have to jump in now because soon there will be so many uh, different providers that can go essentially anywhere. Already 98% of the population has access uh, to high-speed Internet. Um, but they're going to they're gonna get to a place where it's so easy to get it from so many different sources that argument won't hold up anymore. Um, and that is also why they're jumping on in this, uh, these new um, uh, proposed regulations. They're going after mobile broadband as well. They want control of all of it before it's so obvious they're not needed right. that they w it would be harder to do. Right. And so it sounds now I'm not an expert on this issue, mm -hmm. but it mm -hmm. sounds to me like you are in favor of the free market solution on this. This is crazy. It is crazy. I, it is crazy. Yeah. A CNBC uh, host would ask that. So you're telling so you're me. Telling me? You want the choice? <laughs> yeah, you're right. That, that would be the way. Uh, yeah, and it's like, okay, we have what is essentially the largest experiment in unfettered, limited government in world history. Yeah, there's no this place is, freer than the There is right no now. place outside of a couple of sites that Jeffy op uh, operates <laughs> off seas. There's almost no regulation on the Internet at all. 
You can do almost anything, including companies have are free right now to absolutely F over any site they want. They can go out right now and block anything. They can block hardcore porn. They can block uh, the blaze. They can block any site that they want. And, do. and they don't. Right. They can do. They, well, they could. They don't typically. They did this one thing with Netflix. Um, they obviously do block some things for content reasons, as you well, talk about. Yeah, okay. no, I, I and that's a little bit too. different. But yeah, I mean, and, and it's like, well, could the blaze be slowed down? How am I going to feel when that happens? I'm going to be pissed about it. But that doesn't mean the government gets to jump in and, and take, tell Comcast what to do with their pipes. They get to do whatever the hell they want. Verizon gets to do whatever they want with their pipes. They, they invested billions of dollars to do this. And they have to have the right to do what they want with them. Right. And we've all seen what happens when the government interjects itself into an industry. Uh, post office, DMV, all, yeah. healthcare, all yeah. of these sorts of things. I mean, I think we can all agree the last thing we want to do is see what the government can do to make the internet better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you think that's going to work? Now, I don't necessarily have to sell that message to conservatives, though all too many conservatives are on for net neutrality. It's not a ton, but it's too many. It should be zero. It's a classic um, progressive usage yeah. of words, like net neutrality. Don't you want yeah. the internet to be free? And it's what, like, well, yeah, I do. Is, dummy what, vote. Like, what, what is this? It's this, this problem that doesn't exist that needs to be solved. Now, if you got into, like, I, I don't, I still wouldn't agree with it. But if you got into a situation where it, Comcast went and held up millions of dollars just to access their sites, and they bought up all the Internet in the world. It was the only way you could get on the Internet. And then they started blocking sites left and right. Maybe you'd have some sort of argument. It's not even happening. It's happened one time to a site that does not deliver anything of, of necessity. It's, I mean, I'm a Netflix member. I love Netflix. It's a great freaking site. I like to stream all the shows that I love. Uh, but I'm sorry, the government doesn't get involved because you're buffering Netflix. It's absurd. I mean, I, you know, it, it is, you know, you're, and people are like, well, it's a necessity. We all, it's about infrastructure. It's a necessity. I don't know if you know this. Your grandmother lives her life without ever going on the Internet. Yeah. That's what she does. She doesn't go on the Internet at all. She somehow avoids Netflix and is still alive. In fact, we all did it for every year until like the mid-90s. It goes to show you how pampered we are as a society when... Uh, the Internet, and not even just the Internet, but Netflix is becoming yeah. some sort of a right that we are entitled to. I mean, yeah. the rest of the world, if they had Internet and they weren't living in, uh, yeah. you know, these third world countries where they've got no access to anything, you know, if they could see us complaining about this stuff, they would laugh at us. But a lot of them uh, don't even have access to electricity and running water. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are real problems in the world, and including here in America. Uh, and the idea that the government needs to jump into the one thing it ha isn't in already, and that has been probably, argue with me on this, the most successful thing we've ever done in the country, I don't know. It's on that level. It's certainly in that argument uh, that, uh, you know, the Internet is quite possibly the greatest innovation the world has ever seen. You know, obviously you need things like electricity to get there. But, uh, you know, we're talking about something that's completely changing the world. That's that's overthrowing dictators. That's uh, this is something you know uh, that is absolutely amazing, and you know the, with the idea that the government needs to be involved in anything other than real crime and injustice and uh, you know things like you know ha stopping hackers and things like that are are, are um, cybersecurity. There are issues that the government can be involved in on the internet, but to go in there and act as if there's some real problem with companies trying to screw their customers from going to specific websites, I mean, 
it's not even an issue. It's not even a problem. And if it were a problem, it's not right. It does not rise to the government's uh, intrusion into it. No, I mean, we, I mean, we should just all be very thankful to Al Gore that he had such foresight to invent the Internet and bring it all to us. But so why don't, why don't we get ahead to the uh, proposal and what they actually propose here? Yeah, okay. So they want to, it's this big thing about the 1934, the Communications Act of 1934, and it's Title II, which would basically make the Internet into a utility. Um, so you, using this, here's the quote, using this authority, I am submitting to my colleagues the strongest open Internet prote protections ever proposed by the FCC. These enforceable bright line rules will ban paid pri prioritization. Now, this is the thing that they don't tell you. And we need to do this on The Wonderful World of Stew or something next week and just go through all of these arguments. But the thing they don't tell you is the Comcast deal, What Comcast ran at a certain rate. It did slow down. Uh, they slowed down Netflix by about 20%. And everyone said, you have to restore that. You have to restore that. You have to restore that. And Comcast said to them, you know what? We're not going to restore it unless you give us a bunch of money. Uh, and Comcast uh, said, if, if, you know, we, we, want, we want the money. And Netflix said, you know, no. And for whatever reason, this debate, Netflix is, you know, seen as this, oh, you know, the poor ch English child in all of the old, like, <laughs> right. movies where he's like, can I please have a, you know, piece of chocolate, a little bit of chocolate, this Glenn used to say. Like, they are a $28 billion company. Netflix right. is doing fine. They do not need the help of the government so they can deliver the service to you. But... You know, fair enough. They went, uh, they had this uh, back and forth between Comcast and Netflix. And Comcast uh, said, look, you know, we're going to slow your service down unless you give us a bunch of money. Netflix said, eventually, fine, we'll give you a bunch of money. So what happened? Did they, res did they actually restore uh, the speeds that they had before? And the answer to that is no. Uh, they made them better. They're actually, huh. the, the result of net neutrality, this big violation, is an improvement of service on Comcast for Netflix. And so you're saying that the government, because of their intervention in that, they gave us better speeds? No. What I'm saying is the government had nothing to do with it, and the result was something better for the consumer. But surely all those politicians making all that noise and creating all those yeah. laws and everything mm -hmm. that they... Mm -mm. That they had nothing to do with it. Zero. Big fat zero. Al Gore? N well, Al Gore, yes. Al Gore, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, Al Gore. He, he solved the environment. Um, <laughs> uh, so there's, uh, I'm getting uh, sidetracked here. These enforceable bright line rules will, paid, will end, ban pay, pay, paid prioritization, which is the thing I was just talking about with Netflix, and the blocking and throttling, throttling of lawful content and services. Now, the weird thing about the net neutrality thing, everyone gets equal access to every site, which means not only do... Um, you know, you get access to Netflix uh, because Comcast, you know, launches a, a competing video service or something, and they want you to go to that one, so they slow down Netflix. That's the concern there. But it also means that, you know, your access to PBS is the same as some porn site. Like, it's every, everybody gets equal access to everything, and that's what people expect on the Internet, and in general, that's what they get out of the internet uh they get it you know it's just data going down the going down the pipes as they say yeah uh so i mean i don't understand why we would need this i've read a lengthy lengthy um critique from a conservative who says net neutrality is a good idea and i we've talked about it here before and you go through the whole thing and you're just like this it's not conservative. It's, it's, it's A, not conservative, and B, not convincing. No. And, like, I mean, what this boils down to, to me, and what it sounds like from what you're describing, is essentially the typical, you know, sort of leftist response to capitalism. It's unfair. Oh, you know, they're not able to, you know, some people get screwed, some don't. I, they just don't like capitalism. They don't like, you know, the way it works. And, then, yeah. and they also don't believe that 
the right thing happens in the end and that what most people want ends up happening, like in this case with Comcast, giving you better service to Netflix. Yeah. Like the end result is usually better. Or what happens is the company will suffer the consequence and people will move on. But they'd rather jump in there and level the playing field themselves rather than just let the free market course, you know, take a course. But they won't course. be le leveling the play playing field at all, of course. We right. all know that this is going to wind up, even if it's not this way in the first iteration, as they gain more control and add more layers and layers and layers of regulation on this, they will be able to do whatever they want. Right. They'll be able to prioritize sites that they think are telling the truth on things. And, and, and they'll be able to do that eventually. What, maybe not right away, but eventually this is what they're going to be able to do. Um, and beyond that, you have the situation where, uh, you know, you have to like, sit back and, and realize, like, once you give them this foot in the door, they will be able to expand it in any number of directions. Wait until, you know, I mean, we say this all the time with progressives. It's like, wait until the other guy's in office. Wait until right. Ted Cruz. Now, look, I believe Ted Cruz is, uh, is an honorable guy and would, would limit uh, the, the, uh, this sort of thing. But what if there's some guy in there, you know, some conservative you don't like that decides to take advantage of the rules already set? And he can start manipulating it the way he wants. I mean, you know, obviously a slippery slope argument is sometimes not right, but sometimes it is. Right. And it's like you have to at least prepare for it. Right. The, and this is the fatal flaw with all of this, the big government proponents, is they like to vilify capitalism and vilify the free market and say, look at that, they're just motivated by greed and everything else. But of course they assume that the government is this angelic being that has no biases whatsoever, and they will just make the righteous and just decision as if the government has never had a bias towards one particular uh, industry or one thing that they feel is right. right. There's just no possibility at all for human error from the government, just those free market evil capitalists. Right, of course. And, you know, we all know that the government fees and regulations and such are going to cost much more than any deal between Netflix and Comcast. You know, many deals between Netflix and Comcast, you could fit in under the cost that they're going to do this for anyway. I mean, it really is a, a disaster. And it's it's one that's so sort of obscure. I mean, Internet, like, I mean, it works. So no one is looking at this as a problem. It's it's unlike healthcare, where you have people, even though 85% of people liked healthcare, there were obviously people who didn't have it or were not, were not happy with it. This is something that, I mean, look, anyone who uses the Internet is pretty happy with the Internet. And it, it work, it's pretty freaking awesome. It's pretty amazing. And the idea that you want to get the government involved that, you know, couldn't even open up their own website on Obamacare. <laughs> you want them having control of the entire Internet. I don't see how that's possibly a good solution. Right. Get, um, get used to uh, 404 error if, yeah. uh, if this happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and Ted Cruz brought this up. We'll go to break here in a second. Uh, by the way, um, uh, well, it's, I'm going out of order here. I'm getting I'm. I'm this thing pisses me off. This net neutrality thing really it's pisses me off. all flustered. Both, both Pat and I have been screaming at the cameras for months about this, <laughs> so I apologize. Um, so Ted Cruz did a great speech about this, talked about the, the Communications Act, and when they put these restrictions on the telephone industry, what happened? Fifty years of no innovation outside of touch tones instead of the, dial, uh, the rotary dial. Basically nothing happened for 50 years. Um, and so it's one of those things where you do this to the Internet, you're going to slow innovation going forward, and it's going to make your experience worse. Uh, it's the way this happens every time. Conservatives know that inherently. Um, but the rest of the public thinks, for whatever reason, you know, that the government can always make everything right, and I don't know how you convince them. Um, Ted Cruz, by the way, is involved in this poll that we, we posted on my Facebook page. Um, if you go there, uh, you can go to... Um, 
uh, my name's impossible to spell. You can just go actually go to stewfacebook.com and it'll just redirect you. That's the easiest way to do it. <laughs> stewfacebook.com. Um, but anyway, you can go there and uh, on the uh, there is a poll there. I guess you're gonna post it at glenbeck.com too, so you can check it out there. Um, there is a poll there that will let you go through every single candidate uh, that's possible that we could come up with, and you rate them. Not pick your favorite because that's kind of difficult to do. Rate them. On the A to F scale, like you were back in grade school, you get A, B, C, D, F with all the pluses and minuses in there. And it, it enters into a system that kind of gives us a score. Tomorrow on the radio show, we're going to go through sort of the, uh, it's, like, it's like the BCS, it's the GOP top 25. There's so many freaking candidates out there. We, we can put together right an here. entire 20, top 25. Yeah, it's up again. Got it right here. There yeah. it is. There you go. Nice. Yeah, so, so I will, now, I'll take it right now. Jeffy, let me, let's go to break here, and, and I'll walk you through what these letters mean. A is kind of like a triangle, and it's got a line in the middle. We can go to break. And then you've got the like B, it's got the two humps. Circles. Yeah, it's like the lady lumps. It's got a straight line with the lady lumps lady on the side. Lump. Yeah, that's wow. on the B. And then the C, it's, it's kind of that no. curvy one. It kind of, it looks like you cup your hand like this. And, yeah. F, well, you know that one. Yeah, you know that one. Welcome back. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven. Beck is the phone number. This Brian Williams story is really bizarre. Um, you know, he's uh, obviously a newsman and MSN or MS NBC, MSNBC. Apparently, not really covering this one today. Really? Yeah, shocking. That is uh, so weird because they're usually all over a big news story, no matter what side of the aisle oh, it is. Oh, that's they're true. Right down the middle, straight a, shooters. Those guys. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, and so we had this uh, bizarre situation where he has misremembered uh, being hit by an RPG in Iraq. I don't know how um, you misremember. This is sort of Hillary Clinton-esque level. Uh, I remember when Hillary recounted the time of coming off of a, a you know an airstrip or something, and we were running and we were ducking under bullets, and then video surfaced of it, and she's just walking like normally, <laughs> talking to everybody. Right, yeah. And she had to go, well, maybe there were bullets in some part of Afghanistan. At that time, mm -hmm. but not necessarily right where we were. Same sort of thing here. He uh, and Biden did that too. Yeah. Biden had the same exact thing yeah. happen. How, do you, unless you're lying to make yourself look more more incredible or brave or whatever, I, there's no possible reason to make this up. And I, Williams is claiming that he got shot by an, down by an RPG. We'll look at some of the clips that he's said mm -hmm. uh, here in a minute. But how do you misremember getting hit by an RPG? I mean, unless you're lit, Unless you're in Detroit, we're not getting hit by RPGs every day. I don't even know if that's happening in Detroit. Yeah. But uh, how many times have you been shot, Jeffy? Well, I'm glad you finally brought it to me because people who lie about being in any kind of war or conflict pisses me off. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute. Because <laughs> you, uh, you, when, mm, when we took the island. I can't believe you. And now... You, the island of Spice, yeah. you didn't... Dan. No. When Jeffy and I were there, we raised the flag at <laughs> Iwo Jima. You were there now, too. What? You were at Iwo Jima? We were at Iwo Jima, and so it's very offensive See, when someone like Brian Williams... He's, yeah. he's another trying oh, to Oh, no, wait, fun. that was the flag. Actually, that was the flag just out there outside the building. Never mind. But he's trying to make fun of my... See, I don't think he's understanding the sort of service you put in. 
in Grenada. Thank you. Uh, oh. Where you didn't realize Jeffy served in Grenada. Oh. Um, yeah, urgent fury. Now, the odd thing Isle is the spice. military also <laughs> didn't realize Jeffy served in Grenada. <laughs> um, which is, Nobody believes it. Stop it. Yeah. Why would, I mean, the only reason that I did it to begin with, I don't know, 10 years ago, was because it was like the small battle that nobody knows about. Right. And yeah. It was just to be fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I served too. Yeah. <laughs> now, because we joke about this all the time, and Jeffy makes the case that he actually served in Grenada, uh, which he did not. Of course, it's true. Uh, and uh, someone to actually try to take, make this point, well, Brian Williams, you get all mad at Brian Williams for saying that he was a great. Did someone try to make this point on you? They to, did. And, but the, uh, first of all, in a serious I'm, way. I'm not doing uh, NBC Nightly News. No. And no. had it been NBC Nightly News and. Not, oh, I don't know, the Pat and Stu show. <laughs> uh, I may have not told NBC viewers, you know, when I was storming the island of spies, urgent fury, I know exactly what these soldiers are going through. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't have done that. All right. Well, let's actually watch some of Brian Williams' performance, <laughs> which apparently that's what it was. This is March 2013 on The Late Show with David Letterman. We were in uh, some helicopters. What we didn't know was we were north of the invasion. We were the northernmost Americans in Iraq. We were going to drop some bridge portions across the Euphrates so the 3rd Infantry could cross on them. Uh, two of our four helicopters were hit by ground fire, including the one I was in. No kidding. Uh, RPG and, and AK-47. What, what altitude were you hit at? We were only at 100 feet doing 100 forward knots because we had these massive pieces that? of bridge beneath us on slings. What happens the minute everybody realizes you've been hit? Uh, we figure out how to land safely, and we did. We landed very quickly and hard, and we put down, and we were stuck. Four birds in the middle of the desert, and we were north out ahead of the other Americans. So we got hit. We sat down. Everyone was okay. Our captain took a purple heart injury to his ear in the cockpit, um, but we were alone. They started distributing weapons. We heard a noise, and it was Bradley fighting vehicles and Abrams tanks coming. They happened to spot us. This was the invasion, oh my God. the U.S. invasion. They saw us. I have to treat you now with uh, re uh, renewed respect. That's a tremendous story. Oh, don't uh, think any differently of me. I was an accidental tourist covering a conflict, trying to get close to these fantastic volunteers we have uh, in the war yeah. who raised their hands to go fight two wars. Uh, we got hit, and I came away just with more respect uh, for these men and women. Now, it's so weird because, I mean, I guess the, at least the story today says that he didn't land for an hour after yeah. these guys were already down. Yeah. So it's not like, because when I heard the story initially, and they, everyone was saying he lied about it, it's like, all right, he's up there, he's in a group of four helicopters, two of them get shot, you know, right. get hit. And, you know, I'm sure in the middle of that, you're not necessarily, like, it's possible to say, okay, well, we you know, got hit. We got hit. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's, maybe he phrased it incorrectly or whatever. I mean, the way he's telling this in such great detail, and we should at least acknowledge, I mean, he's very complimentary of the troops, which is oh, something yeah, yeah. appreciated in the but, media today. But you know who but else what? is complimentary of the troops? These stolen valor guys who go out there. I mean, it's, just, it's you know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. complimentary of the troops, but then they get completely ridiculed. And so, I mean, this is not, it's not quite to that level, but it's, it's, I mean, when you're talking about, hey, our helicopters were shot down, you're pretty damn close to stolen valor at this point. If these two, if these stories are true, especially about him, them not joining this shot down helicopter for an hour, 
Yeah. Uh, that really is. Yeah, here's uh, the quote from Stars and Stripes. It says, the NBC anchor was nowhere near that aircraft or two other Chinooks flying in the formation that took fire. The report cited interviews with crew members on the 159th Aviation Regiment's Chinook that was hit by two rockets and small arms fire. It said, Williams arrived in the area about an hour later on another helicopter after the other three had made an emergency landing. Hmm. There's much more to this. Let's take a quick break. We're running pretty late. Come back on the other side with this other Brian Williams stuff and try to like uh, boil this down a little bit for you. And coming up this hour, not only uh, Russian dash cams, which are, of course, a nice. classic on this particular program, but also Russian crane hanging. Yes. Yes, it's oh. coming your way yes. this hour here in Patton's too. All right, 727 back is the phone number. Obviously, kind of a weird week. Pat is up in uh, New York. Dan Andros uh, filling in uh, nicely for Pat and uh, Jeffy doing worse than normal uh, for Jeffy. Uh, so we appreciate that. I actually just, I'm back in Dallas this week because I came back uh, from Phoenix. Uh, you may have seen me uh, intercept a pass from Russell Wilson to end the Super Bowl. Mm. Uh, you know, I was sitting there and I just remember looking at the formation and they're doing this stacked formation and I'm like if they try to inside slant here I'm going to jump this route and intercept this I don't think that and uh, so think, luckily it did work out I don't and think I was you, able actually. to uh, No I don't think that was you you were not on the field you went to the game but you were not one of the players uh, you know what? I, I misremembered that. Misremember I, I did that misremember game. that. That was actually Malcolm okay. Butler who right. did that. Uh, right. so I do apologize uh, for any any, uh, I don't know. I mean, it was just, you know, I conflated the sitting in the stands with the being on the field making, making the play. The play. It, happens, so, yeah, it, it happens. It happens to the best of us. It happens to the best of us. So, uh, Brian Williams, here's, a, here's another one. This is him going back, and uh, he's another, his, another telling of this. And what I thought was really interesting, that first one was how detailed he was. We'll tell you a little bit more about the background of this, which is bizarre. Watch. We want to share with you a great moment that took place here in New York last night. The story actually started with a terrible moment a dozen years back during the invasion of Iraq when the helicopter we were traveling in was forced down after being hit by an RPG. Our traveling NBC News team was rescued, surrounded, and kept alive by an armored mechanized platoon from the U.S. Army 3rd Infantry. Command Sergeant Major Tim Turpak was put in charge of our safety. We quickly realized we were from neighboring towns in New Jersey. He went on to fight the war and invade Baghdad and serve several more tours, earning three bronze stars. We got to return to our homes and families, thanks to him and his men. Command Sergeant Major Tim Turpak and I stayed in touch all these years. He just retired after 24 years in the Army. So last night, I invited him to see the Rangers-Canadiens game at Madison Square Garden. It was merely a chance to be reunited, but the Rangers had other plans, as Tim realized when we looked up and saw our picture on the big screen. Hmm. And then they, there's actually an announcement from Madison Square Garden. I will say a lot of that story is actually probably true, mm -hmm. because he references getting hit by an RPG, but what he, the person he's honoring there is someone who arrived to surround them and protect them, which I think actually did happen based on this story. Um, that part of it, because they didn't land right away. They landed an hour later. But once they landed, they did have troops actually protect them, right. and he was one of those guys. So the vast majority of that, I think, is true, but right, it's so but hard he, to tell. But what he's making it sound like is they came up on some farmers who actually had RPGs. They get hit. They land. Well, because they got hit by these guys who are nearby, right. there's... 
troops, and so we've got to have some people protecting us. So he makes it sound, I think, more urgent. Yes. Like, I'm sure, you know, having to land in that war, that's not where I would want to be. It's, so, But he just sounds like he's making it more dramatic yes, than it actually was. I think that is what he's doing. Like someone saying that they invaded an island in, a, in some sort of yeah. fight they weren't in. Right. Or intercepting the... Why'd you cut to Jeffy there? That was uh, that was weird. Weird weird camera work there, guys. Uh, let's go to, uh, here's the actual apology, by the way. And what happened was he was caught. Dan, maybe you can walk us through this, this timeline here in just a second. Let's watch his apology first, and then we can go through the details. On this broadcast last week, in an effort to honor and thank a veteran who protected me and so many others after a ground fire incident in the desert during the Iraq War invasion, I made a mistake in recalling the events of 12 uh -oh. years ago. Oh, no. It did not take wow. long to hear from some brave men and women in the air crews who were also in that desert. I want to apologize. I said I was traveling in an aircraft that was hit by RPG fire. I was instead in a following aircraft. We all landed long. after the ground fire incident and spent two harrowing nights in a sandstorm in the Iraq desert. This was a bungled attempt by me to thank one special veteran and, by extension, our brave military men and women, veterans everywhere, those who have served while I did not. I hope they know they have my greatest respect and also now my apology. I mean, this stuff happens. I remember um, having to apologize for a mistake I made that was similar uh, in that at one time I was... Uh, I had talked about, you know, being in, in, in battle and covering war, uh, and I was hit by an RPG. <laughs> and, oh, no, that was just, I'm sorry, that was yeah. Brian Williams. I just oh, watched that. Yeah. I, I yeah. was conflating the two, watching Brian Williams, and then thinking that I actually made the apology. It was actually Brian Williams. I, I, I'm, I'm not able to get past this fact here that mm -hmm. he's misremembering getting hit by an RPG. Yeah. Like, this is a guy who's a newsman who is a multimillionaire and probably travels uh, chauffeured every day to work and uh, has a pretty sweet life. You think, like, yeah. he's not the kind of guy that's just, you know, You don't say that to Basham. You say that because you would notice this as a standout yes. event in your life, yes. right? I and I'm sure it was. I remember the time. I got, I don't, I've only gotten in a couple little minor car accidents in my life, but I can still picture the exact time I got rear-ended one time pretty bad. And, like, well, it wasn't even that bad. But and when that time that you viciously destroyed that deer on the Atlantic City yes, Expressway. I did. But I remember those yeah, things, like, clear yeah. as day. Yeah. Uh, in fact, when that deer came out, he was holding an RPG. <laughs> really? And, uh, yeah, he actually... Actually fired it oh my God. right into my front, so wow. I actually didn't hit the deer. My car just exploded on the front, and then the deer. I, I thought got I, hit I, by I another saw the pictures car. of your car afterwards. It didn't look like any of that happened. You're lucky to be alive. I, I don't know. I mean, all I can tell you is the deer had the RPG. I don't know, but maybe I'm misremembering that part okay. of it. But okay. I did get into an accident that day, so it okay. did happen. Okay, all right. Well, emergency I... crew. Thank you, the emergency <laughs> crews that were there yeah. and surrounded me from protected me from the other cars and the other deers that might have had RPGs. So. Well, let me ask you this seriously: Is this worse than what Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden did? To me, Certainly I'm insane. much more angry about Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden doing it than I am uh, Brian Williams. And I don't know if that's just because I like Brian Williams more yeah. or if it's, it's because, I, you know, Brian Williams is a news guy. You know, look, news is a business and, you know, we're kind of at least uh, sort of in this business where, like, you know, you, 
it, part of it is telling a story and, you know, you don't lie, obviously, but you're trying to, you know, I mean, you look at the, you look at the news. I mean, you know, they make everything, you know, look, uh, all your kids are going to die. Film at 11. Uh, the real report is, well, it's possible all kids would die if oxygen was no longer here. Back to you. It's like, all right, well, that's and they hyped that story. And, and hyping happens on the news. But you can, it's not supposed to happen in, from our actual leaders. You cannot hype this sort of a, I'm sorry like you know if any time that we have Marcus on or any of these guys like yeah you know just you know when you're writing an introduction or, or you know writing some piece that's gonna go online like you want to get every single detail of that correct like you don't want to mess with it and yeah. at least me internally I'm feeling like I don't want to I'm thinking of the this guest sitting in the chair and I'm thinking of them listening to whatever's being said about them and I, I am so, you know, worried about it being wrong. You know, I just can't imagine having that, tell, then heaping it on yourself and telling the story and making it sound even more dramatic, like you're trying to make it sound more exciting than it was. I just, I don't like, I mean, you expect this sort of thing from Hillary Clinton and from Joe Biden. I expect them to be total idiots and, and you know, completely well, fabricate right? a, a story. I do not expect that from, from somebody like Brian Williams, who up until now, I mean, I, you know, I didn't really. I mean, he's yeah. you know, he said a few things, but like nothing right. crazy. He's not. Like, he's, he not the, seems, he's not Keith Olbermann. No, he seems like I mean? he's at least attempting, you know, right. to try to be the a news guy or something. But um, Ace of Spades, the blogger, I guess, wrote this. This is pretty uh, he, he, responding to Williams' comment. I would not have chosen to make this mistake. I don't know what screwed up in my mind that caused me to conflate one aircraft with another. He responds, "Let me help you out here, Brian. You conflated one aircraft, one you were in, with another aircraft, one you were not in." <laughs> Not due to a mistake, but due to an age-old practice called lying to advance an agenda. <laughs> the agenda here was dressing up a soft, delicate little boy into the sort of iron-stubbled man who looks like he belongs on a battlefield. So you lied. You claimed you were one of the helicopter uh, helicopters that took fire. No human being could ever confuse me or not me. No doubt. Stephen Wright, comedian, makes, this, makes that joke. The other day I was... Wait, no, that was someone else. Uh, that's, that's funny because you, we know that the confusion about me versus not me is not possible. And I think that's probably what happens here. He gets in a situation where he's, you know, yeah. he is in a, in a, what, in his life, as you kind of pointed out, you know, he's a kind of a coddled guy, obviously. I'm sure he'd admit that. Uh, he's living a nice lifestyle. He has an event that is in his life incredibly dramatic, as it would be in ours, with the exception of Jeffy and his service in, in Grenada. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, we, you have this situation where you've had a, a, a rush of energy and you kind of start exaggerating it. It's the fish that you caught that I swear was this big when it was really this big. The fish was caught. In this particular situation, there was no fish. But, uh, you know, <laughs> you can understand why he did it. You know, you can understand, uh, you know, that doesn't excuse it, but you can understand the process that goes on there. You had an event in which you thought was too dramatic. You've blown it out of proportion over the years. I'll give you, an, I'll give you one example of this actually happening. I believe it happened. It happened to Glenn Beck, okay? Glenn Beck, as a child, uh, he was at the Seattle Space Needle, and he told me this vivid story about how they shot fireworks or sparks out of the side of the needle. <laughs> And he remembers looking at it. It was this amazing thing. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And then several years later, we go to Seattle. And I, we go to the Space Needle we, together. We go to the top. And I, and I so I'm asking the, the tour guide of the Space Needle, so can you tell me, like, where did they shoot these fireworks or these sparks out of the side? How did that happen? And the guy's like, 
we never shot fireworks out of the side of this thing. It's <laughs> never happened, ever. It's never occurred. And I've never let Glenn let, it, let that down. Now, since then, some people have said that maybe they did do something kind of similar. I don't know. I mean, I, I, but the guy, the tour guide at the Space Needle told me it did not happen. Right. So I torture Glenn with that to this day. <laughs> it is, I guess, possible where you would kind of like, especially when you're a kid, maybe you'd think, all right, maybe something happened. But this is not something. Maybe somebody Glenn told him. Because yeah. this happened to me, and this was this was a great prank. But uh, one of our teachers uh, growing up in high school, his name was Mr. Spielman. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, there was a really good linebacker in the NFL, uh, Chris Spielman. I think his first name was Chris right. Spielman. Yeah. And and so these friends of mine uh, kept telling me all these stories. You know, you know, Mr. Spielman's related to Chris Spielman. And mm-hmm. I'm like, really? I'm yeah. a freshman in high school, and I'm like, this is that's really cool. They're related, <laughs> and so they're telling me all these fantastical tales of. Chris Spielman's exploits when he right. was a youth and how he would like <laughs> pop guys' helmets off and he broke someone's back. So I roll into Mr. Spielman's class and after class is over, I walk up to him and I say, oh, I say, Mr. Spielman, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be in your class and everything. And um, you know, I heard you related to Chris Spielman. And he just, and so they must have talked about this because he just kind of went like this. He was like. <laughs> yeah, about, about that. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just went, those sons. <laughs> I certainly was not one of those friends. I want to make that very clear <laughs> at this time. Um, yeah, but I mean, I guess in that situation, though, someone would have had to tell tell Brian Williams about uh, his helicopter that was being shot down, and right. I don't see how that could happen. No, right. I was kind of more bailing on Glenn on that one. Yeah, but, yeah, no, okay. it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. All right, well, let's, uh, we have to take a break. We're running really late. 888 back is the number. Back with more of a second. He was actually there. Well, he was in the area, yes, I think. But an hour away? That's like saying, you know, we're in the area when you're in New York City, you're in the area of New Haven, Connecticut. Kind of. to the uh, program. It's Pat and Stu. Uh, well, it's not actually Pat and Stu today. I knew normally uh, when Pat is out, we just call it Fat and Stu because Jeffy's right. here. Uh, but Dan is, well, he's, he makes us all look fat, so it sucks. Uh, so it's just fat why is, he even, why is he even here? It's fat, fat, and end today. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's Pat Gray Appreciation uh, Week, so yeah. it's just this Next is part week. of the program to make people really appreciate Pat by right. having me here. Right. We Which, have you. you know, it gets well, people re- used to you, and then Pat comes back next week, and we're like, God, thank like, God. Wow, like how bad God. was that for the, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, welcome, welcome to the program, Pat. anyway. Uh, so uh, population control, something we always uh, love mm. here. on the Because, you know, the thing that people don't understand is how much better the Earth would be if there were less people on it. Uh, people are the real problem here. I think we can all agree on that, of course. <laughs> and uh, now the Washington, D.C.-based Population Reference Bureau says slowing the growth of the human population is important for the climate, writing, quote, this would ultimately lead to substantial reductions in future carbon dioxide emissions because even though carbon emissions tend to be low in countries where population growth rates are high, current evidence shows that per capita emissions rise as nations develop. And that's true. Gosh, think of how how clean the world would be, Stu, if there were zero people. 
I mean, this would be great. Yeah, it would I mean, be. It would be perfect. You'd have no... Yeah. Man. Just I, wipe everybody off the face dream. of the earth. We can only dream. We can only dream for something. And what is wonderful is that. And this really shows the, uh, the perversion of these claims. I mean, what you're talking about here is rooting essentially against a country from developing. Taking a bunch of people who are li living in huts with no electricity and saying, you know what, the earth can't take you guys having a civilization. That is not an acceptable viewpoint, and it is not the loving viewpoint that the left tries to make, uh, you know, this climate alarmism into. It's actually a terrible thing for people, particularly in, in, in the third world, where they're trying, to, they're trying to get themselves to a point where they're dealing with their survival. They're not yet worried about organic foods. They're not yet worried about, uh, you know, whether uh, Jinko biloba is getting the full nutrients that you would expect out of your Jinko biloba. At your Walmart, they're trying to live, yeah. and because of this, uh, they should be given every single benefit possible of the doubt to to be able to any fossil fuel they want. If they want to take fossils of dead humans and burn them for energy right now, it's probably a good idea. Think of think of the arrogance. Ish. Think think yeah. of the arrogance here. You've got these remote, you know, third world countries, these people with no access to anything. Like just picture, like they come up with some invention. They get, you know, they get their first cord and they manage to extend it all the way to something and plug it in, and they're yeah. all excited, like, yep. yes, we've mm -hmm. got a light bulb on here. And then some clown from, you know, one of these dumb organizations that's pushing this stuff comes up to him and says, you know what? Yeah. You probably well, should slow down on that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they're just like, wait, wait, what? The, yeah. The worst part about that is they don't, of course, go to that person who no. just plugged themselves in. They go to the leader. And they say, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't use that coal, all those coal reserves. And I know you'd make some money off of it, so that's why you want to do it. We'll just fund you. We'll fund some of your programs that might happen to build you a new house. But we'll give you uh, give these shady leaders money and attention and adoration, and so they don't develop these uh, products, these fossil fuels. There's a, a documentary, a great documentary, a while ago that was actually pretty fair uh, on the climate. It was, I think, the BBC did it. Um, it was on one of the BBC sub-channels. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but it, in there, they showed what really happens in these situations. And there was a country in Africa somewhere, and they went out to these people who needed power, had no power, uh, and wanted to access their fossil fuels like everybody else has done. And these environmental organizations said, no, 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 don't, do, don't get that started. That's bad for the planet. We'll, we'll give you some solar panels. So they were trying to get these solar panels to work, and none of them work. So these people have solar panels on their houses, but they can't get any energy out of them. And they're sitting here in abject poverty because of it. Uh, is that kind to the earth? I mean, to me, again, the earth, while it's wonderful and I love it, it's fantastic, is essentially a, an, a, a vessel for human beings to live. Now, I know there's a larger moral, spiritual sense to that, but honestly, if we needed to move and we found Mars to be a better place to go, that's where we'd go, right? So, uh, you know, the idea that we should sit here and put the Earth on a higher pedestal than human beings' lives is completely insane. And that this is what their pitch is all the time. It's to limit the human population. Oh, and again, it's that progressive mindset of we know better than you. Yeah. And, you know, to... to have the audacity to go and tell someone that they cannot advance is just, it's mind-boggling, and it goes against every ideal they, the left supposedly stands up for, which is fairness and equality. 
and everything else unless it goes against one of their other ideals and then it's like well no you better just sit down and yeah. stay quiet I like this though. I like the word mind-boggling because it's a great theme for this particular segment mind-boggling like for example if I were to tell you Eric Holder said that his Department of Justice was not politicized would you oh. consider that statement to be mind-boggling <laughs> I'd consider that to be sort of Brian Williams uh, misremembering us. <laughs> yeah. Would you say, Jeffy, <laughs> mind-boggling? The word mind-boggling and lie are walking kind of hand in hand. Okay, they're walking hand in hand together. Let's see a mind-boggling lie then. Here's Eric Holder. This notion that seems to seem to permeate that uh, hearing both the first day and the second day, um, this notion that somehow or other this Justice Department has been politicized is uh, totally inconsistent with the facts. You want to look at a, pol a politicized Justice Department. You look at the one that I inherited. Oh, all right? good God. Wow. You look at the way in which hiring was done here for political reasons. You look at all the other things that we had to deal with to rebuild uh, this department that uh, I grew up in and that I love. I will leave this department um, in the way that uh, I found it when I came here back in 1976 with high morale. Uh, with people who are dedicated to doing things only on the basis of the facts and the law. It's, uh, <laughs> and delusional. You know, it's, I think, a little irresponsible for people on the Hill to say that uh, policy differences that we have um, with them or decisions that we have made that are um, not consistent with how they view the world can be characterized as political. Um, there's, there have been no, there's no politicization of, uh, of this Justice Department. I'm proud of the work that we've uh, done over the past six years, are you? the historic things that... Um, that we have well, done. Well, historic, all right. And I would hope that, um, you know, the American people would not um, fall prey to interesting sound bites that simply have to be, uh, simply are inconsistent with uh, the facts. Interesting sound bites. Uh, Natasha, we got to get this for radio tomorrow. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. No, no, the interesting facts, you mean like the things you've said. You know, we don't have the rest of the clip there where he talked about uh, the RPG fire that he had when he was coming into the into that press conference there. He did. I, I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, there's so much in there to go through. I mean, the, this guy's completely delusional. First of all, you see that he doesn't have... You know, Obama will blame Bush much more subtly. Uh, he doesn't. Holder doesn't seem to have that understanding yet that it's been six years and you kind of can't bitch about the past anymore. No. But, it, it, but the idea, but his his ideal uh, Department of Justice was the post Watergate Department of Justice. <laughs> that's when it was. The, those good, are the good, good times. But he says he's not politicizing it. But then in the same sentence, he goes, "Yeah, yeah. but those guys before us really sucked." Yeah. Like, what, what is that? You just did it two seconds after you said you're not political. We should point out at this at this point, uh, Jeffy is unable to talk about the Department of Justice due to an ongoing investigation. Right. So we should uh, clear. Jeffy's clear on this particular. <coughs> I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I thought so. Um, okay, mind-boggling lies. Uh, we are told all the time that the uh, Department of uh, uh, well, the well, the CBO is telling us. Um, the president certainly tells us all the time how much work he's done on the deficit. He's mm. shrunk it by a trillion percent. They always show Something a fancy like chart, too. Yeah, they show that fancy chart. Um, however, we're getting now uh, that the White House has published data with President Obama's fiscal 2016 budget proposal that indicate the federal deficit will increase <gasps> by 20% this year. Um, 20, as of uh, this fiscal year, 2015, even though the administration predicts the Treasury will bring in record revenue. So we're going to get a lot more money, but we're still going to increase the deficit based on these horrible proposals. Again, he's telling us he's, he's the budget warrior. 
Dan. This is a guy who's going hardcore against uh, all this uh, fiscal craziness. He's solving it. I, I'm again mind-boggling. Is the word? I, I just don't even know what to, they. They just try to speak things into existence that don't. It's just they just it flies in the mm. face of reality, and they just yeah. try to speak it out there and yeah. just hope that it's you know hopefully Brian Williams reports it for for him. They, I don't well, know. that's the thing. You, you joke, but that's true. It, yeah. They they can't speak it into existence in reality, but they can speak it into existence in perception because it's constantly echoed by the media. Right. So they're able to actually make a dent in these issues. People will believe that they're doing a good job in spending and taxation. They will do. They will believe it because. Well, it's just echoed all the time. And, and, you know, this is interesting because obviously the media is more willing to play along with a, uh, a Democrat president. But what this administration has done far better than the past one did, and I think the Bush administration, this used to be my big complaint on them, was that they didn't play ball with the media enough and they actually just stonewall, which made them more frustrated. But what this administration does is they go, okay, we know this is complete crap with the budget and everything else, but we're going to give you an easy way to report it. We're going to write it in a way that can work for you on the air, and it will be Point to their laziness, essentially. And, yeah, and mm -hmm. so they'll just put it out there, and that's how, you know, Media Matters and those sorts of, you know, kind of front organizations also yep. work for on that kind of stuff. I mean... They've been caught, you know, you know, working and uh, with the uh, uh, I forget if it was the DOJ or uh, one of the government yeah. oh, uh, yeah, yeah. departments, well, they, the EPA spin, as well, yeah, to spin things. And yep. so they work on the wording of things, mm -hmm. and it's just like here you go to the to the news reporters, and then they can just go, oh yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, it's it's absolutely true. I mean, and the there's no if you want to take it out of government circles for a second, because this is just a normal human thing. People like to avoid work. They like to be a little lazy if they have the opportunity. And journalism, because of the Internet, has become much more lazy. Um, and it, the easiest way to look at it is uh, look at any local broadcasts, and, and uh, much of the national ones. They love Twitter. Media loves Twitter. Twitter in and of itself as a, as a social network isn't nearly as engaging to the average person as, like, say, a Facebook is. But Twitter is loved by the media because Twitter is essentially hand-delivered sound bites constantly. They get to go on there. Look at, I mean, look at ESPN's coverage of any sporting event now. It's just like tweets at the bottom. Like part of 30% of the coverage of a story is what LeBron James tweeted about the story. That's, I mean, that's just, all right. Well, used to, it used to be they'd have to go find LeBron James or f call his agent, get him on the phone to get a quote. Now, or, or quotes can, just hand-delivered to them, so yeah. it becomes part of the story. And not even just quotes from the celebrities or from the person in the news, uh, ideas. Like, you can search a hashtag and just see what random people are, are writing. Right. And so, points. So somebody can come up with the point that you're kind of thinking, and you don't even have to craft the point yourself. That's you can kind of just hijack it from some bowel of the internet that yeah. nobody's uh you know gonna know uh and, don't talk uh, about bowels of the internet with jeffy i don't yeah. think that's uh that's not what you want that's but not where you want to go people do know okay oh yeah. they do they do people do know okay well they do know apparently uh there's a lot of subscribers uh but it, it, it goes even worse than that until you get to the point where it's like look at what some people on twitter are saying about this yeah. story and it's just like they'll just quote three random people who have kind of Good points. There's a, there's a broadcast that I watch occasionally. I don't even know what station it is around here that does this all the time. And they're like, um, Kim Kardashian just got uh, married to somebody that you know. And uh, look at what Jill2705 says. <laughs> she says, you go, Kim. And then Bill1884 uh, says, wow, I thought it was going to be another person.
And Jill, 1829, this is a different Jill than the first Jill, says, you go, Kim. Yeah. You go. And then, the Fox affiliate which is here the, in Dallas does that yeah. a lot. And maybe that's right. the one I don't And then the last tweet they read is. Uh, this one's from at Brian at NBC. And uh, he says, it reminds me of that time that I... Uh, I got I married, married to Kim, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> it was wonderful. All right, Brian, I don't think you actually did that. All right, so we have a, 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 a bunch of important stuff going on uh, here before the end of the program. And, I, and, I, and you're going to know the seriousness. I've already promised you Russian dash cams. They're oh. coming up. Maybe we'll do that next, along with the Russian crane hanging. Looking which, forward to that. This is unbelievable. You, you're not going to believe this video is actually real. It oh. looks like it's manipulated because you can't believe any idiot would actually do this. Don't try that at home, unless you're Jeffy, of course. Then you should try it. You should try it at home. Really? Yeah, you should looks, try it. Because it kind of dangerous. Like ah, you you're pretty, fall, your, your fingers are pretty strong, right? Like you could hang from a crane to support your weight. I don't know. Well, you know what? Give it a try. We'll see. Uh, that's coming up. And as well, the most important thing, all this other crap, news, whatever, the most important thing is red velvet Oreos are in the building. Boom. We are going to try them on Pat and Sue today. And in addition of spoons, which you do not want to miss, and honestly, I mean, it would be, I don't know, you want to miss it, that's fine. If not, the bottom line is I'm going to eat them. So uh, I don't really care if you, if you see it or not. Oh, oh wow. Wow, look at this. Remember when Brian Williams was on the Island of Spice with Jeffy MRA? But they, they don't they don't want to talk about it. No, no, we don't. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> it's I had, fantastic. I Do you remember actually, serving with him? I had actually yeah. forgotten that Brian and I were in the same in the Fox same Fox. Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. right there. Even you see the picture. It's pretty amazing. Maybe we'll retweet that from uh, at Pat and Stu. Uh, if you're listening on Blaze Radio, you're going to need to see that picture. It's it's dramatic. I didn't. I, I actually doubted your Can service, we? and now yeah. uh, here it is. I don't really want to you talk okay? about it anymore. No. You okay? No, I'm not. 888-727-BECK right. um, is the number. We've been promising you uh, this truth from Russia. Vladimir Putin might have Asperger's. That was actually a real study that came uh, from, uh, from the government. They actually think he might have Asperger's. And they said one of the ways to deal with Vladimir was to get him into um, quiet, individual uh, sort of uh, you know, interactions where you're in a quiet room rather than a big room because he doesn't deal with that well. Right, so you they, can look into his soul and you can you know, look into his eyes. Maybe where that came from. Yeah. I, although I think it was a 2008 study, so that might not be the right, right. year. But anyway, uh, here is, uh, let's start off with the classic Russian dash cams. Uh, we've told you about this before. Basically, in Russia, there's so much insurance fraud with people faking accidents that everyone sticks a dash cam uh, in their car so they can show insurance agents later, like, look, this is BS. They can show police, look, this is BS. He's scamming me. However, there's such terrible drivers in Russia, a lot of crazy crap happens. And luckily, no one ever gets hurt in the filming of a Russian dash cam video. Watch. See, here we go. This guy's uh, coming down. The oh, no. Oh, no. That was somebody else without a dash cam. Uh, oh, no. oh no, you don't want that to happen. We've definitely been in that intersection. Uh, here's somebody going, what, 90 miles an hour? Oh, he saw that one coming. That was a terrible turn, though, I will say. Yeah, you can't cross the lane. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, my gosh. Where was that? Where did that guy come from? I don't know. Yeah, I know. This all stopped traffic. How the heck did he. Oh, no. There's too much snow in Russia. They can't drive in it. Uh, Here comes Brian oh, Williams. Ice, ice oh, Bri oh. That is Brian Williams. He remembers that crash <laughs> very well. Of course, 
And uh, here's a guy. Oh, no, he's just sliding down the road. Look at that. He's going backwards and running away. This is a <laughs> Run! Go, go, Back go. up. Oh, my God. This when is... does the hill stop? When does this This is like endless Back hill. Up. I have been in that this sliding is... situation, I will say. <laughs> is the guy awesome. backing up or the car sliding? No, no, no he's sliding. catching up. He's catching up. Turn. Oh, my God. Get out of the way. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. That was a fantastic a move. Oh. Oh, that's wow. kind of <laughs> Is that Russia or Italian? I have seen this before. Oh, it's going. It's going. Oh, my goodness. They can't stop it. <laughs> They're all laughing. What were they thinking? Stacking that thing. It's like on a cart. Yeah, you can't go around a turn in that thing. Uh, so after we've, we've done Russian dash cams so many times, uh, Dan, who's again filling in for Pat, yep. brought up another Russian phenomenon that uh, I have never really seen. This, this is, is called... just. Oh. The Russian crane hangers. Um, what's this guy's name? You had mentioned his actual. Uh, there's like, one guy. I don't know. I can't. I don't think know. it is Mustang this guy. Mustang wanted. Is, yeah, Mustang wanted. Yep, that's the guy up there. But yeah. Yeah. This is what. The, so he's got a GoPro camera on, and he goes to these ridiculous places and essentially just hangs off of cranes. I, yes. He, is, he balances on them. He hangs on them, and uh, prepare he, to have your palms get sweaty here. It's just. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness! It's rough stuff. All right. This is from YouTube. Uh, Mustang wanted. Watch. One foot with the wind there. It's, it's pretty high. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> now that's more narrow than his foot. Yeah. That little beam he's walking on. Like, oh I, my god. <laughs> oh, this is making me ill just watching it. His fingertips. Fingertips against the wall. Like he's. Oh, now he's going skateboarding. Oh my god. There's literally just, away. Wow. <laughs> he's skateboarding on the edge of a giant building. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Here we go. Okay, now he's at the top of a. He's got no clothes on in the middle of the winter. No, well, you can't have clothes on if you're going to. Look at this. One, One hand. hand. Oh my god, that is terrifying. Ah! Oh, what are you doing, <laughs> you idiot? <laughs> How? You, you know this guy's dead. Oh, you he's going to die. Dead. Look at this. I mean, look at that. It's a round. It's a. You know. Yeah, it's a round beam, so. <laughs> what is this guy doing? He's going to die. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just... They're going to play this at his funeral. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> and now, oh, look how high this is. I mean, it looks like he's on top of a radio tower here. A thousand, two thousand feet up in the Can air. Can that thing he's hanging on be sturdy at all? I mean, that's, it it's a little like thin. He's doing pull-ups. I don't have that sort of upper body strength. But <laughs> look at that. There's ice and snow yeah. on this railing. Oh, my God. Look at that. <laughs> Look how high he is. And how's he getting to these places, Dan? They just climb up. They, they just, just sneak on, stuff. essentially. Yeah. Does, the, does he film the GoPro going up, too? His... Uh, I don't know if he does. But, uh, oh, my. <laughs> like you can see he's got some crew with These him. shots here are not him. These are... No, he's got people with him. Yeah, he's got people with him. Yeah. Oh, that is... Yeah, Holy it just crap. goes on and on and on, and he's got tons of those. And there's, I mean, there's ones of him on trains where he's just on the trains, and they're like... While it's moving. Yeah, I mean, that's around. what we used to do uh, when we were yeah. uh, taking trains back from uh, Trenton, New Jersey, into uh, Manhattan every yeah. day. Oh, that's right. And you got hit by an RPG. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I remember that. And Trenton, actually yeah. quite feasible. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it is actually not that big of a stretch. Oh, that's, that's actually hard to watch. It is hard to watch. It, it, and the, those videos will go on for like six, seven minutes. And so to try to watch the whole thing, it's really, Oof. really tough. Really tough. And there's other copycats that 
that are doing the same thing and they're just as crazy. Yeah, I saw one of those copycats. He was uh, flat on the ground next to a radio <laughs> tower. Uh, he's a really interesting guy. So you were yeah. saying earlier that it would be safe for me to do that. I think for you, I mean, you're really, look, your service in Grenada, I think, prepared you pretty well for something like yeah, that. Because it looks kind of, it, it might be. Well, if you I went to know. Grenada, you'd try it, right? We well, you know that. So you did go to Grenada, therefore, let me uh, get you hanging on something pretty high. We'll see how that works I mean, for yeah. you. You know what sucks? Gravity. That's what sucks. Uh, you're not going to like it there. All right, triple eight seven twenty seven. Back. Take a break. Come back. We got some Bradley Cooper stuff. Uh, some new stuff breaking on that, which is kind of cool. Uh, and uh, also, we're going to eat red velvet Oreos before the end of the show. Yes. And I am going to be very happy. My little world. This could be the. I mean, outside of like I don't know, Ted Cruz becoming president and the Eagles winning the Super Bowl on the same day. I don't know what could be better than red velvet Oreos. Show. Uh, it's a new name. We're working on it a little bit. Just going to have to replace the hosts first. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the number. Uh, Bradley Cooper is one way to kind of get us into the sexy man sort of uh, format we're looking for. Uh, he, of course, was uh, the guy who I mean, played American Sniper. There's a cool story about that, by the way. Um, people, you think of, okay, Bradley Cooper got this great role uh, as uh, Chris Kyle in American Sniper. Uh, you know, Clint Eastwood comes to him and says, hey, you're the guy. I mean, there'd be this great story. It's actually the reverse of that. Bradley Cooper bought the rights to American Sniper. He's the guy who owns. So not only is he cleaning up as an actor in this movie, he owns the actual rights to the book to make it into a movie. He went initially to Steven Spielberg. Um, and that deal was close to done for Spielberg to make the movie. Uh, and last minute it fell through. And Bradley Cooper went to Clint Eastwood after that. Uh, and, and locked it down with Eastwood. And i got to say, I'd rather have Eastwood do it in a movie like this. I mean, you know, Steven Spielberg, I don't agree with him politically, but, you know, but he's obviously a great director, and he's made great war movies before. Right, you, of course, think of Saving Private Saving Ryan, Private Ryan. so good. He was great on that. But honestly, when you're talking about a true story about a real hero, there's nobody I would want uh, to make that other than Clint Eastwood. And he did a great job uh, with the movie. It's, pretty, it's a pretty fascinating story. Um, he was, uh, Bradley Cooper has done a, lot, a decent amount of press for this movie. Um, and he uh, went to NPR and, and talked about it. Watch. When Chris was murdered, every, everything changed. I mean, it completely changed for me. Um, and Taya Kyle, his wife, you know, just a couple of weeks after he was murdered, had a conversation with Jason Hall and just said, you know, if you're going to do this thing, do it now and get it right. And he went back and the movie became what it is, which is a story about this man's uh, experience um, going four tours uh, and the schizophrenic nature almost of going from home to war and the effect that it had on his family as well. And it really was about their relationship as much as anything else. We look at this movie as ho hopefully igniting a conversation about the lack of care and attention that goes towards vets. Uh, and, um, you know, the fact that it's inciting a discussion that has nothing to do with vets and it's more about the Iraq war or why or what we did not do to indict uh, those who decided to go to the war, you know, every every conversation that is on, in those terms, Terry, is moving farther and farther away from 
what our soldiers go through and the fact that there's a 22, 22 people, 22 vets commit suicide each day. That, you know, the, the amount of people that come home is so much greater than before because of medical advancement and that we need to take care of them. How many people commit suicide overall each day? Gosh, it, what, what is it, find the number how many people die via suicide in the United States each year. Can you find that number, Jeffy? Uh, and, you know, try to go to an actual website instead of just picking a number on your calculator. At that point, he made uh, <laughs> Thank you, Jeffy. Uh, about it being, uh, people complaining about it being on, on the Iraq war. That was, I think, what's that guy's name, Matt Tabai or yeah, yeah. something? I don't know. He's kind of a known writer. I know. It's, that's not, to, to, it's not how you pronounce it, but I, do, I, I know, know who you're talking it's, about. It's, it's the guy, he's on, he does Rolling Stone. Yeah, he does Rolling yeah. Stone. He's really annoying. Um, but he wrote this scathing review of American Sniper and saying it was a dumb movie and it didn't address exactly what, I mean, Cooper was probably responding to that article. Yeah, with that comment right there, and and um, uh, and he was just complaining about it. Didn't mention anything about Ra Iraq, and it was this very elitist, leftist sort of look and complaining about how this is the typical movie that just ignores mm -hmm. all of the all of the mistakes that were made. And I don't know how you watch that movie, American Sniper, and not come away with realizing this is about the American soldier. It wasn't a statement on the war one way or the other. That was the whole point of the movie is to show what you know. You can draw your own conclusions on what you want from the war. Uh, whether it's good or bad, but the point was, this is what we're sending our guys to do. Yeah, and I, I would say, honestly, and as a guy who loved the movie, I think they did a great job with it. I thought Bradley Cooper was amazing in that movie. And Clint Eastwood, uh, what's it, Sienna Miller was fantastic as Taya mm -hmm. Kyle as well. I mean, she's unbelievable. You know, she has a heavy English accent, and you never know it I didn't know. Uh, from I didn't watching know it. Um, but uh, if anything, if you're going to pull anything from that movie as far as a statement on the Iraq War, I think someone could honestly say, even when you're a hero, it's still a disaster for our troops. And if anything, that's an anti-war message. If there is one, I don't think there is one. I, don't, I didn't get that sense. You certainly understand how great our, our troops are, and you certainly understand the nut jobs they were dealing with. But even when you take these horrible people out, your life still isn't the life of a hero. I mean, you know, he came back and had an incredible struggle. He almost just completely destroyed his family, as if, even that's from his telling, not mine. Um, and, you know, eventually he winds up trying to help people and winds up getting killed. Yeah. And no. You know, it's not a glorious story of, hey, look how wonderful it is to be in war. No, and, like, what it really opened my eyes to personally was you really felt, you know, because you were intense in these battle scenes with him and, and you know, uh, hunting down enemies and the brutality of what was going on over there. And then he comes back and our life is just so, you know, pe petty and our concerns are ridiculous, like going, you know, oh, going back to the mall and, you know, uh, going around town. And, like, it's just so different and it's just so easy and there's no none of the tension of war. And so, you know, you kind of got a good picture of what it must be like coming back from theater and then being back here and then... Uh, it just made you appreciate more what might be going on in their minds uh, of people who've come back from combat. It gave it gave me a clear picture for it. And yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's it's, it's it's not a pretty picture. No, you know, it's it's a hard picture. These guys live hard lives, and, and it's hard. It's hard. Did you get that number by any chance, Jeffy? The n number of suicides in in America every year. In 2012, it looks like there there's in 2012 they're reporting that you had in uh, you had t four. Per 100,000 people, you had about 25 suicides in the U.S. That's a rate. Uh, so, a little bit. You know, what is, how many people we got in the U.S.? 300 yeah, million. 300 something. million, typically. So, I mean, it, 
I gotta get the, the, the this number doesn't seem pop. you're talking about yeah, I get I maybe I mean look it's a number that I hear widely quoted it's just it's hard to imagine it's hard to imagine that that number is accurate but I mean I, I'm not doubting it it just man it just doesn't it, it, it's really heart-wrenching when you think about something Boy, like that, especially these guys that would survived impossible situations um, overseas to come back here, and, and that's the way it ends. It's, it's really rough. Um, now, going back to kind of the, the happier side of this, I guess, Bradley Cooper is going to make a lot of money. He's uh, The family, I think, is going to make a lot of money. Jesse Ventura is going to get more and more angry. All these things are really positive. <laughs> um, but also uh, the preparation that uh, Bradley Cooper went in, he, I mean, one of the things he talked about in, in an interview that I heard was he tried to act out, to do the entire movie essentially with his eyes. <laughs> essentially that you could just look at his eyes and he wouldn't even have to say anything and you'd know exactly what was going on. And I would say he pretty much did that in this movie. That's how good he was. Glenn saw him in um, uh, Elephant Man, which is, I guess, uh, something he had real passion for growing up as a kid. That was like the thing that got him into acting. He, want, he loved the movie Elephant Man back in the day. And he's doing this now on Broadway with no makeup. He's doing the Elephant Man character with no makeup, and apparently he's incredible in it. Uh, really talented actor. And you would, I mean, you know, he was great in Hangover, but you wouldn't think that this guy's going to turn into the, you know, maybe the greatest actor of our time, or at least this era. Uh, and so far, he's on that sort of path. Um, to get into the role for, uh, for uh, Chris Kyle, he had to, I mean, he's not a huge guy. He's, you know, he's a thin guy. He had to, you know, really bulk up. To do that, he ate 8,000 calories a day. Now, this is not going to impress someone like Jeffy, <laughs> uh, but, uh, and it's not going to impress you after you see how many red velvet Oreos I'm about to eat in the next break. Um, but here's, here was his little meal, uh, or his uh, little uh, diet plan. So breakfast, one cup of granola, three cu a quarter cup of uh, whole milk, 660 calories. You see, uh, I mean, that's uh, not, not that much, actually. Uh, but then he added on a smoothie made of one cup of full-fat coconut milk, two teaspoons of coconut oil, one avocado, ugh, ugh. one teaspoon of chia seeds. Chia, chia, chia seeds feel like the next thing they're going to tell us. To don't do anything. Everyone <laughs> eats them, and they don't actually do anything. Um, and then one scoop of whey protein for 1,294 calories. Um, so he's uh, up to 1,954 calories for breakfast. Now, that's what a normal guy is supposed to eat about in a day, 2,000 to 2,500 calories. Wait. I meant in a minute. I don't know how to translate this into Jeffy terms. Uh, for a morning snack, five ounces of walnuts for 925 calories. Could there be a bigger waste of 925 calories than five ounces of walnuts? Is that really yeah. 925 yeah. calories? We did this a, a thing with Dan several years ago. If you if you listened to the radio show for a long time, back when Dan was on the radio show, this is what 2007. It was one of the Olympics years, right around whatever. One of the Olympics was, when Michael Phelps was doing was setting all those records. And he, there was a story about how he ate 10,000 calories a day. So for Dan's, breakfast, for breakfast, Michael Phelps just ate it for breakfast. Yeah. Wow. And we, so we said, to, Dan said, he's like, well, I could, I could do that. I could do that. It's not that big of a deal. So we challenged Dan to eat 10,000 calories during the show in three hours. And you did not come very close to that. I, did not, I, I don't know what I got in the I think three got hours. Maybe four or 5,000. Yeah, we ended up extending the deadline, and I made it. I did get it within 24 hours. I got to 10,000 calories. You got to 10,000, really? I, I thought you got to like eight or nine even. No, I think I made it to 24. I was pretty close, whatever it was. But the, sadly letting me down. The problem was I had a tactical error. See, I didn't have any coaching or anything. I should have reached out to you, Jeffy. Jeffy would one, have been the but, ultimate coach for something like this. But the big mistake I made was I 
went for the giant milkshake from from like McDonald's or something or somewhere and like because yeah. because I was like I'm gonna get it all in one shot. That thing was like oh, it was I like don't know twenty five hundred yeah, calories, maybe two thousand calories yeah. or something like that. But right I should have went for all this stuff. I mean, five ounces of walnuts. I'm still. I, I, I could do it with cashews. I bet because I yeah. freaking love those things and they're really mega high in calories. Yeah. See, I, I, nine calories for one cashew. So figure nine calories for one freaking nut. I mean, yeah. you could you, you could get going with those. I went with donuts too. That was another big thing. I went. <laughs> I ate a whole package of uh, Edmonds yeah. donuts. That's right. They were 500 calories a donut, so I think I got a couple thousand out of that maybe but yeah you did i mean you ate a lot but still it's hard to do it is hard to do jeffy now seriously i we we bust on you all the time but eight thousand calories in a day you could do but it's a lot that's a lot it's a lot especially hard to do every day oh my god but for one day like over the super bowl i bet my worst day was somewhere between maybe six thousand calories i maybe i got to six thousand i eaten a lot yeah over a day i mean i've i've always said that i'm not a i'm not the uh the speed eater Right. I mean, but, well, let me give you this. Let me this give you a proposal. Okay? Let me give you a proposal. We got this Bradley Cooper thing. And we'll go through the rest of this diet here in a second. But you are now on this thing. What you simple to lose, you do. You, you eat right. You eat healthy throughout the day. That's right. Would you be willing to forego that for a day if we could load in as many calories as possible for, let's say, five hours from the beginning of the radio show to the end of Pat and Stew? And we'll just keep a running total on the bottom of the screen and see how high you can get. <laughs> Thoughts? Concerns? Uh, put it under consideration. I'm putting the consideration I, team together, see if it's, uh, if it's I, viable for me to run. What about if we did something like this? I'll throw another one at you. Me, you, and Pat start the day on the radio show, and we try to eat as many calories as possible. And we go through the radio show to the end of Pat and Sue. We'll have a running calculator. That'd actually be funny. Now, to can see I, who can, can I get more. a crack at this? Try to redeem yeah, myself? Yes, can, I can think I be so. invited into this challenge? I because think so. I, I did initially try it and failed. I mean, I think I'd like a little redemption here. Okay. Um, I like that. So, although, all actually, four now of us, that I think about it, when I, I think actually I did get 20,000 calories that day. There, and there was an RPG uh, at the at oh, okay. on, And so right. oh, man. I did hit 20,000 calories. That's how I'm remembering <laughs> just coming it. Back so to it's you. just coming back to me now all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. Now, we're about to try Red Velvet Oreos, which could be 20,000 calories in like one <laughs> break of the show. But let me get you through the rest of, uh, of Bradley Cooper real quick. He goes, um, some credit. You ever heard of laksa soup? I've never heard of it. It's soup with, uh, with a lot of coconut cream. Veggies, rice noodles, and protein-packed shrimp and chicken. 2,214 calories for one and a half servings. See, this sounds almost like trickery because I was eating like these very bready, like heavy yeah, things, and he's getting a five ounce. He's getting a thousand calories yeah, out of five the freaking fills ounces. You up, I mean, too. all that bread stuff fills you up and starts expanding. Right, this stuff yeah. is good for uh, yeah, because nuts are not going to expand. You're going right. to kind of right. pack in. Right, so you right. might get the calories, but you're not going to be full. You're going to eat, you know. I well, think you're having 8,000 calories of anything, you're going to be really yeah, full. Probably. Yeah. You'll get full, but, I mean, let's be honest, when you reach that point, you just keep going. That's the whole point of being, being, being overweight. A, being overweight is, okay, all right. <laughs> when you hit that point, you just, just keep going. Remember that, just kids. Just keep going. All those kids out there watching today, remember, when you get full, just keep going. That's Jeff Fisher talking. What an talking. inspirational tale. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Thank three you. more meals we'll get out of this here. Uh, afternoon snack, a yogurt bowl with one cup full-fat Greek yogurt, a cup strawberries, half cup almonds, 
a tablespoon of ground flaxseed. Again, another thing. And oh, flaxseed. Why, why are you filling up with flaxseed if you're trying to maximize calories? And one teaspoon of honey. honey that's 761 calories. Dinner, goes. he goes with a burger with cheddar cheese on a multigrain roll, veggies and sauces, 600 calories. You can do way better than that on a burger. Seriously, go, you can get to, to Hardee's or Red something. Robin? Yeah. You can get Red Robin, you can get right. 1,500 calories on a burger easy. Um, medium serving of fries, medium, uh, 500 calories. <laughs> then you got uh, dinner roll with butter, 231. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a lot of butter. Um, roasted green beans for 150. That seems like a waste. Two glasses of red wine for 250. That's 1,700 calories just for dinner. And then dessert, a large brownie with a scoop of premium vanilla ice cream. Man, that sounds good right now. Scoop. 500 calories. A right. Scoop? It's, uh, yeah. One scoop, right? Scoop. He gets to uh, 8,070 calories that way. Oh, wow. Look at that picture. I, I want to eat that. Yeah. Where are the brownie sundaes? Let's see the red velvet Oreos. Let's go to commercial quickly. Get back. We can just eat red velvet Oreos, shovel them into our mouths, and tell you how wonderful and delicious they are. These things better not be disappointing because, you know, I go postal if that happens. That's that's what that's what happens. And that can't that can't go on. You know that. The day has finally arrived. Amazing. On this segment of Spoons, we investigate the Red Velvet Oreo. We reported this to you way before the mainstream media, that these things were coming. And, and did Oreo deny it? Yes, they did for a while. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they're magically there. It's almost as if our reporting was right in the first place. You've got to be tough when you, when, you have, when you break stories. You have to kind of give that anger sort of thing. And by the way, on the way over here, the Oreo truck that delivered these was hit by an RPG. <laughs> what do you got to say about that? Okay. Um, so Red Velvet Oreos. I'm getting a horrible information uh, from Natasha, who bought these, who is telling us that the Red Velvet Oreos are nothing but regular Oreos with the cookie dyed red. I don't believe that at all. Okay. It's 1,400 calories for this whole little package here, but That's the way. not bad. Oh, God. I, they That's they not smell bad. like red velvet. 1,400 calories for this? Oh, God. Get a smell. The first whiff test is always important. All right. So this invention, by the way, is the simultaneously worst and best invention ever. It's, like, great because it seals back up, but you can't get at the... At the well, you got to slide them oh, down a little slide bit. Them yeah. down. Slide them down. You kind of do one of these puppies. It's like the fridge pack of cookies because yeah. you go like this, and then you just pull them, and then it kind of just drops well, down. And this is what caused so many packages to Ooh. damage when I worked for Nabisco is they didn't have this. Oh, really? And so they would be damaged. They, da they damaged? It, it's weird because the damage when you damage. worked at Nabisco seemed to be entire sleeves just missing. <laughs> I just, I just the know cookies. that they were damaged. Yeah, okay. Damage goods. Well, that's that's so sad. The machine's so, been running for an hour. Why hasn't it produced any cookies? <laughs> <laughs> Here is a red velvet uh, Oreo. Now, you can get these, I guess. They're out now for Valentine's Day. I will say, right off the bat, it's not very red. Um, it's, uh, it's, you just, can you hear the crunching? That's because Dan ate the cookie before we were ready to eat the cookie. So now his was reaction cookie, was yeah. lost off camera because he, this is unbelievable. Why? Anyone who sits in that seat becomes uh, becomes oblivious to how to do television. I can't believe somebody would do that. Yeah. You know, you ain't one. <laughs> you guys are the worst. I was going to go through the whole description of the color, the smell. You can still do it. We're going to eat the cookie. Yeah, do it. We were listening. I, I really despise you both. Uh, they don't look very red. Uh, as red as red velvet cake. They have a little red sheen to them, maybe. But I wouldn't say that they're very red. Pretty but, good, though. 
I hate, I hate both of you. Inside is not the normal Oreo cream. It is the... Um, well, cream cheese. Pretty good, too. <laughs> a little creamier than the regular one. Mm -hmm. It's cream cheese frosting inside, because that looks gorgeous on, on red velvet cake. Now that you've ruined the entire experience, I guess I'll, I'll just I'll have one. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm. Can, you, can you fill us in on the conversation happening in your head right now? Mm. All right, I gotta get through the whole taste. You're ruining it. Mm. Just eat the. Okay. Here's ridiculous. what I will say. First of all. Uh, you can definitely, it does not seem like a super hardcore red velvet taste to the actual cookie. I do not believe that it's just food coloring. Oh, there's something in there. Yeah, I think it's a regular Oreo. It's like, um, I'll give you an example, uh, Mountain Dew Code Red. Mm -hmm. um, where Mountain Dew Code Red, you can taste the regular Mountain Dew in there. And then they've put cherry flavor on top of it. It's not mm -hmm. a cherry-flavored soda. It's a right. cherry-flavored version of Mountain Dew. This here, I would say, is a red velvet-flavored version of an Oreo. You can taste the normal Oreo in there, but you can definitely, to me, taste a, a little bit. Is there any science behind your claims, Natasha, about this being dyed? Or are you just kind of, I saw it on a blog. It looks like it's the same thing. <laughs> because I would say there's definitely a change. Now, there's definitely a change in the cream. You would agree with this? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a cream cheese taste to it. It's not overwhelming. It's a little, it's a little dab of that cream cheese uh, taste in there. Jeffy, uh, you're the one who eats the most. Tell us what your feelings are about these cookies. Oh, not bad. I like them this way. <laughs> what? This way? Why didn't you? I, like them that way. I, I asked you when you weren't eating. Why did you start eating after you started answering? I want to get a cookie in my mouth. Well, uh, letting you know how good it tastes. I'm definitely getting a red velvet flavor out of those. They're pretty good. The good, the good thing about it is it's not too over the top. Mm -hmm. Like, that's my problem when they try some of these flavors, if they go too crazy with it. and it's Like the watermelon Oreos? You ever had the watermelon Oreos? I did not, but that does not S'mores sound like something too. Uh, Dan oh, really? would be S'mores in favor of. Good. Yeah, you're not a big, uh, not a big watermelon fan. But the watermelon one, oh, here's, here's a picture of the s'mores uh, version that's coming soon. Yeah, are, that should be good, too. Be good. The watermelon one is on the white cookie, or the yellow cookie yeah. as well. And it's got, it, they're not as bad as I would have thought they would be. They don't sound good at all. Um, but uh, The best Oreo I've had so far, and this could be towards my, my, because of my bias towards mint, but it's the mint Oh, Oreo? mint Oreo, that's oh, right. Oh, my goodness, that is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, those are, those are pretty good. I haven't had those in a while. I will say, um, I... I like them. I like these red velvet Oreos. I, I'm a fan of them. Um, now, yeah, look, this is, a, this is an ongoing sort of thing on this program. We invite any company that has a red velvet flavored product to send it our way. Uh, and uh, I don't know what the address is, of course. But uh, send it to us. Get in touch with us. Uh, at Pat and Stew would be a good place to start. Send us. We will try all of them on the air and give them long segments like this. We have nothing to do with this show. The only thing we have to do is get free food. So send us your red velvet products. We will review them here on Patents Stew. Large Nebrisco corporations. I know normally you're not permitted to do business with Jeffy anymore after all the incidents that he was employed <laughs> there, but we would like to have uh, you on board. Uh, these are good. These are one of, I would They're say, really good. I would definitely eat an entire package of these. Huge fan of red velvet artificially flavored Oreos with cream cheese flavored cream. Red velvet flavored Oreos. That's exactly what we said. Red velvet artificial. Another lie from Natasha. She's freaking Brian Williams. She was hit by an RPG, and the Oreos are just died. <laughs>
Yeah.